This is the Holland Assets Podcast, where we show you how to start and run your own trucking company. Ever wanted to go out on your own? Follow Chris as he goes through the highs and lows of running on his own authority. Welcome, everybody, to the Holland Assets Podcast. This is episode number 61. I am Craig, and he is... Chris. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about you, Craig? I'm all right. I'm all right. It has been a couple of weeks since I've seen you, so... Hope things are going well, uh, you know, out on the road or back in the office, whatever you're doing these days. Uh, too much, doing too much, but uh, that's a good thing. It just gets old sometimes. <laughs> well, <laughs> so do you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I, older every day. H- hence, we're recording on Tuesday and publishing tomorrow. I, that's right. I've kind of been uh, putting this off a little bit. We're uh, yeah, right under the wire, but that's all right. We're we're. Uh, We'll be just good, fine. Good okay. thing you're so good at burning the midnight oil. <laughs> today, today we're talking about uh, kind of a continuation of a topic that we were on a few weeks ago. Today is going to be looking to the future. This is another uh, kind of leadership or business aspect uh, that or or uh, trait, I guess, that yeah, Chris wants to put it, out it's there. Kind of an extension, like you mentioned, of the podcast episode we did a couple weeks ago, where it talks about being deliberate. Um, do you play chess by chance? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I, I, I know the rules. <laughs> well, this, so I'm, you and I are about the same. I am I, terrible at chess. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a chess player by any means. I, <laughs> I can beat a 10 year old who is a beginner chess person. Maybe <laughs> right. anybody, anybody more advanced than that, that, yeah, probably not so good. I don't have the patience for that. I, that's, that's, that's a big part of my problem, but you know what makes a good chess player, a good, good chess player. Right. The, uh, looking ahead, right. Yeah, Knowing five moves ahead. Exactly. They, you know, four or five, whatever moves ahead, they can see that. They can kind of see the future. They can anticipate um, things. And that's really a good critical skill for the for a business owner. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about today is um, are you able as a business owner to kind of vision where you want to be six months from now or a year from now or even five years and, and beyond from now? And, and we're going to dive a little bit more into that during this episode. Right. And as we, or I should say, after we do that, we're also going to talk very briefly about some new hours of service rules uh, that have just come out. So you're going to give uh, a few pennies worth of thoughts on that. Yep. Um, and so you can look forward to that if, if you've uh, been just burning to hear our opinions on the new hours of service <laughs> rules. Yes, we will get to that. So uh, Chris, before we get to the main topic, then any stories from the road uh, or anything else that you want to share before we get going? Uh, no stories from the road today, but I do want to talk a little bit about kind of what's going on in, in the marketplace. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this in the, you know, last week with the uh, um, profit and loss uh, episode or a couple weeks ago. The spot market right now is just really, really good, and it's still showing really, really good. And, and I think that's probably going to keep going at least through the end of this year and and hopefully even a little bit into next year as Chris, well. I'm, I'm betting most of our listeners would know, but I speak for all the rest of us when I say, <laughs> what the heck is the spot market? The the spot market. So you've got in the freight world, you've got the regular freight, the you know the, the stuff that every Monday we're going to pick up this load and we're going to take it here mm. and pick up another load and come back. That's, that's kind of your more dedicated contract you know you've got a a dedicated truck that's hauling hauling right loads where the spot market is more oh hey all of a sudden we have this extra load or we're a company that only you know has a load that needs to get delivered once a week most of that stuff goes out onto the spot market and so so spot like spot comma johnny on the yeah yeah that's a that's a certain part of it yeah now something just all of a sudden hey here's a load it needs to get hauled you throw it up on a load board and it gets taken care of. It's not that regular, reliable 
freight. Okay. And so the spot market fluctuates a lot more, you know, and especially quickly, it can go turn on a dime. All of a sudden it can, it can spike and get really crazy. And then it can drop off the, the face of the earth really quick. And, and right now for the last several months, it's been going pretty gangbusters. And um, I, I think it's probably going to continue to do that. Usually the fourth quarter, what we talk about, you know, all the Christmas and holiday rush, the holiday season, the spot market always goes way up towards the end of the year. And, and it, it even started doing that really in um, July, August, September of this year. And it continues to do that. And, and it should through the end of the year as well. Yeah. So that must be good news. If Q3 is seeing good numbers, then it's unlikely that there will be a dip in Q4. Probably right. not. Even if it just holds steady from from where it's at at the end of the of, of the third quarter, it should be a, a really good fourth quarter. Very nice. Okay. So what? Um, how does that relate to what you want to talk about as far as uh, being a chess master owner operator? Well, we'll get into that in just a little bit. But I think one of the things that you know in this kind of a situation when the spot market's going really well, you should be able to haul freight at pretty good rates. You know that usually means you're a little bit more profitable than usual, and you have a little bit more. Um, money in your pocket than you Ooh, normally would. So I'm, I'm hearing a savings lecture coming. Oh, what do you what do you know? What do you think? <laughs> you, before I could even get the words out of my mouth, you're uh, you're you're leading into six, it. Sixty episodes, sixty one episodes, Chris. You've I've learned. I've got your patterns. We've been friends for like a year and a half now. <laughs> um, I'm pretty predictable, aren't I? Yeah. Well, uh, you know what? Sometimes that's a good thing. <laughs> Sometimes it is. But yeah. So th- this is a time that you can kind of prepare for the future a little bit. You may not be ready to make a big move, but this this kind of a time is is one opportunity to get you to where you need to be. Um, so you should be having a little bit of extra money. And there's, there's really two things you should be able to do. If you're still kind of new in your business life cycle, your business is still kind of establishing itself, you should definitely set that money aside for one of two things, either for, for a rainy day, so you've got your emergency fund, or you know, you set it aside. If you plan on growing into a larger fleet, that's good growth money that you can set aside, build up. And then once you're, uh, you've got enough money and you're ready and able, you go on and you, you start adding units to your fleet. Well, you were reminding me, speaking of uh, the possibility of growing into a fleet, like you've said in the past, growing to a fleet may not be something that everybody wants to do, but some people will have that as a goal. And in order to accomplish that, it's going to be necessary for you to make goals, right? A six-month goal, one-year goal, five-year goal. And that's kind of what you're talking about, right? It's I'm, I'm seeing a, a mesh here between the idea of trying to see ahead, see a few moves ahead, and having those goals in the future, yeah, right? exactly. I mean, just to, to oversimplify this just a little bit, if your goal is to you know, eventually become a five-truck fleet and you've only got one truck right now, well, you know your next step's going to be two trucks, two trucks. And you, after a certain period of time, you should have a pretty good idea of how much money you need in the bank before you're ready to make that leap and buy that second truck. And so it's just, you know, in a, in a time like this, when money's coming in pretty well and things are going, going as well as can be expected, you sock that money aside until you hit that, that kind of trigger point when you've got enough money and you can you can purchase that second truck, right? So, uh, anything else that you want to talk about as far as saving money and because uh, I'll be honest, Chris, from where I'm sitting, a lot of what you say is okay. Whatever you do, if things are going great, don't have any fun, <laughs> right? Don't do anything fun. Just save all your money, right? Is that what you're saying? Um, no, that's not what I'm saying. That that's a good that's a good uh, a good thought, and that kind of brings me to my next point on this is is maybe you're to the point where you've kind of hit where you want to be size-wise with your fleet. So whether that's an owner-operator, 
with one truck or somebody's got a 10 truck fleet, you've hit that size, you've got enough of that emergency funds saved up, you're ready to go. That's when you can kind of start taking some of that extra money out of the business and, and doing fun things with it. And let me kind of tell you what my philosophy is with that. Um, instead of just going out and you know, kind of spending that money willy nilly, I'm, I'm pretty deliberate. And I think I've talked a little bit about this in the past of how I spend that extra money. So in all of my businesses, I pay myself like a, a salary. And so in the trucking world, you'd be paying yourself as a driver or as the, you know, the, the manager that runs the business. I pay myself a, a, a reasonable salary with that. And that's what I have my, my day-to-day expenses with. You know, that's what I pay my house or mortgage or rent payment with. If I've got a car, I'm either saving some of that money, setting aside for another car, or I'm making a car payment with that money. It, because that's kind of like my more guaranteed, reliable, steady income, yeah. right? Does that make sense? Yep. But on these times when, you know, hey, I've, I've come to the end of the third quarter, the third quarter was really, really good. I made more money in it than I normally do. I've got a little bit extra money to play with. I take that money if I plan on using it personally and taking it out of the business, I may I use it for a one-time purchase. So either I, I set it aside to save for a car or something like that, or I go on vacation. But one thing I do not do is I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, you know what? I'm going to take that money and I'm going to make a down payment on a car. Because then if you're just making a down payment on a car, all of a sudden now you've got a car payment that has to be made. And it's kind of outside of your regular personal budget because you know it, it, it's a, it, that money was kind of a one-time thing. You don't know if you're going to have that good of a a quarter the fourth quarter or the first quarter next year. So you don't know if you're going to have that extra money. You can't really rely on it. So you shouldn't make purchases where you're going to have to all of a sudden, um, you know, be strapped down and, and be forced to pull money out of your business right. to make a payment when you may not be able to. Well, this is kind of the, the whole chess master thing that you're talking about, right? Seeing a few moves ahead where, okay, so Q3 was great and I made... $10,000 extra dollars in profit for the business. Great. Uh, fantastic. Congratulations. But the reason that it felt so great was that Q1 and Q2 were a bit of a struggle compared to Q3, right? And so looking ahead into the future, well, you know, maybe Q1 and Q2 will be the same thing next year and we need to be prepared for that, right? That's that, that yeah. chess move that you're talking about. That's a, that's a big part of it. You've got to be able to see to the future and you can't you know, it's, it's just really, you're not living by the seat of your pants. You know, you're, you're being deliberate right. in, in all that you do and, and you're looking to the future. You know, it's, you know, you're going to have ups and downs and, and you make decisions and you're smart so that you can navigate both the ups and the downs in, in that, that are normal in any kind of business you've got out there. Yeah. Um, okay. So where do you want to go from here on this topic, Chris? Next, I'd kind of like to talk a little bit about a key trait that I find in most successful people. And when you say successful, you mean, you know, financially successful business owners and the the kind of people that we're trying to educate, I assume. Yeah, that's a big part of it. But they're also, um, you know, they're successful in other areas. They may be successful in academics. You know, just people that in general are successful. And I think this key trait is really, it translates into, you know, whatever, whatever kind of um, life you lead in your professional, in your professional and even in your personal world. Okay. And what is that trait? People that I've seen that that are successful like that take personal responsibility for everything that they do. So you take, for instance, they don't blame other people for their circumstances or, or issues that they have. And I really, truly, firmly believe that if you want to elevate your station in life, if you want to get to a 
higher, better, more comfortable you know, socioeconomic sphere, you've got to take responsibility for what you do. So what does that look like in practical terms then? You're, you're making me think of um, accountability. You know, I'm, I'm self-reliant, I, or, I, or I should say I, I, I'm reliable as far as getting things done without needing somebody to tell me to do them. Or, I, is that part of it? I think that's a big part of it. I think a big part of it is, is just realizing that to a certain extent, you're in control of your own destiny. You know, you're the one who sets your course, who sets your path, who decides how you're going to react to certain situations. You know, you, you take, for example, if you um, are having a hard time finding, finding a load that doesn't pay well, or you're having a hard time, you know, establishing relationships with brokers, instead of, you know, blaming uh, some tough times or anything like that on brokers, you're going to take responsibility for it and just realize, okay, well, maybe I need to go out and find different brokers or I need to figure out a different way to make things work. I need to develop relationships with more shippers and, and rely less on brokers. You're not, you know, you're not the kind of person that's just out there complaining that, you know, playing every, the victim game, playing the victim game. Yeah. That's a really good way of putting it. You're not playing the victim game. You realize that if I want my life to change, if I want my circumstances to get better, I've got to be the one that takes the bull by by the horns and makes that happen. Right. Nobody else is going to do it for me. It's, uh, yeah, if you want your company to succeed, nobody else is going to make that happen, right? Because nobody else has any sort of vested interest. Uh, to a limited extent, maybe, you know, your broker, your dispatcher, you know, they count on these businesses to give them business right but that doesn't mean that they're going to be able to hold your hand they're they're not they're not the ones that are going to have the vision and and help you find that path to get you to where you want to be as far as your vision goes right um you know it, it's kind of one of those things you, you know, i kind of compare it to you know uh, i've got a couple teenagers sure um and you know one of the things that really kind of drives me nuts and i find this not just in my teenagers but most teenagers out there i think it's kind of that point in life, that period in life, a lot of the times teenagers feel like they're entitled to certain things, right? Uh, you know, my kids think sometimes they're entitled to a cell phone. They're entitled to fancy clothes. And and I try to teach them. I try to show them that they're not entitled to that kind of thing. For me, as their father, they, they get a few, you know, basic things. They, you know, they're entitled to food. They're entitled to a roof over their head to close and not that fancy, you know, <laughs> brand name clothes. Do, do we even know what the brand names are in these days? I sure don't. <laughs> Wasn't it like Gucci jeans or something I when no I was a kid? Idea. Yeah, I, no I, I, I didn't get any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> and and so maybe that's why I'm such a jerk now. But like, you know, I, I look at my, some of my, my kids' friends that have, you know, the latest and greatest iPhone and, and you know, my kids just realize and, and learn that they're not entitled to those kind of things. If they want those kind of things, they have to go out and get it. You know, being being a business owner is it's not an easy thing, and sometimes it's it, it is easy to get or to fall into that entitlement trap and and feel like, you know, what we're entitled to a certain level of success. We work hard, and we should be able to get it. But as owners, we are the ones responsible to ensure we get to that level of success that we want. It's not the brokers, it's not the shippers, it's not your dispatchers, it, it's it's not anyone else. It is you as the owner or me as the owner that needs to take the responsibility and ensure we are able to reach our vision and, and get to the point where we want to be and, and, and attain the level of success that we want. You know, there's things that come along with that and there's always a little bit of luck, but uh, nobody else is going to make it happen besides ourselves. 
Yeah. No, I like what you said earlier. The uh, the broker, the dispatcher, whoever else you work with, uh, you know, business to business, they don't have the vision. They may yeah. want you to succeed, but they don't care the way that you care about the future, right? They, they don't. They're not, they're not thinking ahead uh, in your chess game, right? They're playing their own game. And that's one of the things that I've seen every good leader has is they have that vision that, that gets you there. If you don't have a vision, you're just going to kind of wander aimlessly and really never get anywhere. Every great leader has vision. And you may ask yourself, well, I'm just an owner operator. I'm, I'm not really a leader. I do I need vision? And, and I would say that's absolutely the wrong attitude because even as an owner operator, you are the leader of your company. Even if it's just you, you're the leader of that company. You're the one that's going to navigate and steer the rudder to get you to where you want to be. You're the leader of yourself too. You've got to be (laughs) self-motivated. You know, there's that, that's not an easy position to be in sometimes. I, this reminds me of a company or a company, a conversation I had with, uh, with the CEO of a company that I worked for at one point in my life, I won't reveal which one, uh, but uh, he and I were, if not close, at least um, close enough to have this kind of conversation where uh, they were thinking about instituting <clears throat> no more, uh, you know, no more meetings on Fridays. And that's when you had a lot of the manager and employee one-on-ones and, uh, you know, that that time for accountability. And he's like, well, really, we just want to free up time for all these creative people to to make content or whatever they do, you know, to design and, and code and write and all this stuff. And he says, I really just want to cultivate this, uh, this self-sufficiency in the company. And I said, well, you know, you're kind of thinking about this the wrong way. If we were all that self-sufficient or self-motivating, we'd be out running our own companies we're a bunch of employees because we need the accountability and we need the we need those meetings to keep us on track to keep us focused that's what we have managers for you know anyway and so if you if you're thinking about becoming an owner operator or if you've been doing it for a little while and you're not quite seeing the success that you want to maybe that's part of it you know how motivated are you to get out not just to hit the road uh, and you know, and drive a bunch, but how motivated are you to make those relationships and to find ways to market and grow the company and, and all those kinds of other than driving owner yeah. things, right? So, sometimes being that owner operator, it's a, it's a lonely job because you're the only one there. You're the only one do it. And you're, you're truly only accountable to yourself. You're not accountable to any of your employees to make the business successful. And so that, that can be a hard thing sometimes. And so you, you do have to you know, lead yourself and motivate yourself and, and provide that vision to yourself and follow that vision. It's just, it's just as important for an owner operator as it is for an owner of a, a fleet of a hundred trucks. Right. And I imagine this was all pretty easy for you to pick up with your, your background on the farm, right? Yeah, that's a great transition (laughs) because next I want to talk about some of my life on the farm. Right, because you, I mean, you and my dad shared that neither of you stayed on the farm, but you grew up on the farm and picked up a lot of, um, a lot of this work ethic, this self-starter attitude that I, and that's what made me think of it is, uh, yeah, is that that part of the conversation? It it was a really good period in my life. Um, I learned a ton from it and there's a lot of things that you can kind of relate to. So you take, for example, you know, I was thinking a little bit about this. Um, a few days ago when I, when I was working on the farm, you know, one of my responsibilities in the summertime was to move the irrigation pipe and we just called it moving pipe. And my grandpa's farm had hand lines that you literally picked up, walked, you know, a section of pipe, you know, 40, 50 feet, set it down, hooked it back up and then go, went and grabbed the next piece and just kind of kept doing that. And then he, he had the more fancy will move 
um, systems, not the kind of the center pivots that kind of go on their own, but a wheel move that twice a day. So like, you know, once in the morning and once in the evening, you'd go, you'd turn the water off, let the pipes drain. Then you would, you'd hook this little motor up to it on the end and, and the motor would, would move the whole section of line at once, you know, that 40 or 50 feet to the next riser where you'd hook it back up and, and then water the next section of the field. Well, that, that little motor was a, a little tiny, you know, one cylinder Briggs and Stratton engine. And I remember, you know, if you just sat there, it was a pull start, kind of like you have on lawnmowers, you'd sit there and you'd pull it and you'd pull it with the, with the Briggs and Stratton engine that had this little black bubble that you would kind of have to push and it would prime the carburetor with some fuel. And if you did that, you know, every time you'd pull it, it'd almost infallibly start with the first pull. Right. But if you didn't prime it first, I mean, you could sit there and pull forever and ever and ever, and the thing would maybe not even start. So priming that pump was a uh, in- incredibly important piece of, of making that engine start. You could and have it- just gone with lawnmowers on this one, Chris. <laughs> we all know lawnmowers. <laughs> Yeah, I probably should have. <laughs> no, sorry, go on. Okay, so now that I've ruined your point, what's your point? So the point is, is that um, you've you've got to prime that pump on the, the motor, the engine to get it to start. And it's the same thing with your business. You've got to do things that kind of prime it so that it will take off. Um, and, and if you don't do those things, you're either never going to get started, or if you do, you're just going to kind of putter along and, and you're never going to really take off like you should. And so some of those critical things for priming your pump in your business are some of the things that aren't always the sexiest and funnest things to do, like developing those relationships with shippers and brokers. And, uh, and when you say that, uh, I want to just expound on that a little bit. We, we talk about this in lots of our episodes, building those relationships. What does that actually mean? Is, is it just as simple as talking to them. (laughs) That is, I mean, that's where it starts is just, you know, picking up the phone and making some phone calls or when you, when you're delivering loads, going in and, you know, talking to the people that you're delivering with and, and kind of figuring out who the decision makers are in that business. That's where it starts. And then it's just becoming familiar with them. People typically want to work with people they like and people they're familiar with. And so if you're not developing that kind of relationship, you're not initially talking to them, you're not trying to find a way that you can help them or solve problems for them. You're not developing that relationship and you're never going to get your foot in the door. Gotcha. And, and that kind of thing, it's not like you can just talk to them one time and say, hey, I, I gave it my best effort. I tried. You have to constantly you know, talk and develop that relationship. I, I remember I was trying to develop a relationship one time with, with an association a while back. And you know they, they get used to so many people coming in and, and trying to make a presence and they'll stick around for, you know, two or three months and then they kind of fall off the the ladder and 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 don't come back anymore. Well, you've got to be the one that kind of sticks to it and and stays with that relationship. And if you do that, eventually you'll get you'll you'll work your way in and and develop the relationship that ultimately is going to provide some meaningful benefits. And it's the same way with shippers and brokers and really whoever else you deal with in business, you know, they've, they're, they're getting their door knocked down by, you know, tons of different people, but 95% of those people are going to quit really quick. If you're the one that kind of sticks around, they're going to, they're going to see that they're going to pay attention to that. And ultimately it's going to lead to that relationship and you're going to set yourself apart from everybody else. Right. So what are some other priming the engine things that you want to mention? Um, apart from just, you know, some other things you can do to kind of build relationships with brokers. Every time we haul a load for a broker or a shipper, I always, you know, shoot, shoot them an email, um, thanking them for 
taken the load and, and just let them know that we'd like to haul more for them, especially if it was, you know, one of the better loads that we've done. And, and I'll even, you know, oftentimes shoot them some, an email and just say, Hey, you know, when's your busy time of year? When, when can I pick up, um, some additional loads from you and, and kind of make their lives a little bit easier. And, you know, a lot of the times those kind of things are seasonal and they can say, well, Hey, talk to me in September. That's when things start to get really busy for us. And if you can, you know, be there for them, oftentimes that's kind of how those relationships get started. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else? You know, another one is just, is, is saving. You know, we've talked a little bit about how, um, you know, preparation is a big part of luck. You know, it's just, it's the same thing with, with saving your money, you know, in a time like we're talking about now where, um, rates are pretty good. You should be able to set aside a little bit of extra money. If you're trying to grow your business or you're trying to make it more financially stable, saving money and having that in there is there's no better way to kind of prime that engine to really be able to take off than by saving money and having the ability to say, Hey, you know what? Now's the right time to jump in with another truck. Things are going really well. We'll maximize it. Um, I'm, I'm ready to go. You've got the money. You do it. That's that's another great way to prime the pump. You know what that reminds me of is Apple. Um, Apple was around for, what, 30, 35 years before they became a truly terrifying corporate giant yeah. that could buy anything on the planet. And how did they do that? By getting, what did they have? Like a trillion dollars in cash? Yeah, something like that. Some something crazy. Insane yeah. number of, uh, you know, amount of cash. And anyway, but Okay, so you're not Apple. We're not Apple. <laughs> but the point remains that it um, that that was how they became the company that nobody could really challenge for a long time. I, you know, I, I don't know if they're still there. I, I don't really care, honestly. But the point is um, that it was that saving money, looking to the future, knowing that uh, they needed to have this set aside for whatever came up right yeah. looking into the future and and not not quite knowing what was going to happen but the other thing i was going to mention is that it took them 30 years to get there right it, th- this isn't something that happens overnight yeah it's not like the briggs and stratton motor where i push the primer two times and then pull the cord and it's going to start right away right you know you in your business you've got to prime that pump for a long time and eventually it'll take off and and when it does it'll take off really well um, it, it's just, it's not going to happen overnight, especially in trucking. I mean, most brokers and shippers really won't work with you until you've been in business for a year. That, that's not when you're going to start to get the cream of the crop as far as loads go and the best paying loads and all, all the, the, the best things. So really that whole first year, you're kind of just doing things that's priming the pump and just priming, 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 priming. And then, you know, after that first year and you can start to develop more relationship with shippers and, and you get, you know, a little bit better at what you do and, and know where the, the best rates are when that's when things are really going to start to take off. Very nice. Um, okay. So where else do we want to go with this? Is this, um, do we feel like we've covered this idea of looking into the future? Or do you have any final thoughts? You know, I, I think I've got uh, just a little bit more of some final thoughts, just kind of along the lines that my, my point really here is, is that you need to learn how to stand on your own ground. You can't be looking um, outside of yourself to make sure you're standing on solid ground. You're the one that puts yourself on solid ground. You know, the, the whole victim mentality comes when you don't figure out how to stand on your own. And then, you know, you, you know, when hard times hit, you're typically blaming other people and, and instead of really 
looking at yourself and realizing, you know what, I'm the one who's going to take me into a better situation. I'm the one that's going to put me on firmer ground. Um, you know, you're going to be the most successful when you truly take responsibility for your own situations and you're the one that creates the action plan to, to make things happen. That's one of the things that the military has really taught me well is that oftentimes it's better to get moving even if your plan is incomplete because you're actually taking action, you're doing something rather than just kind of sitting stagnant waiting for the perfect plan to be formed. You know, oftentimes you're way better off and you're much further ahead starting with an incomplete plan versus waiting for that perfect plan. If you wait long enough, even if you do get a perfect plan, you're just you're still never going to be able to catch up with that guy that just got going and made it happen. So, yeah, so what if I understand right, I'm hearing that what you're saying is there's a balance between planning and action. Yeah. And you've got to find that balance. You can't plan so long that you never accomplish anything, but you also can't run so hard at the, you know, the day-to-day menial tasks that you have no time to have a vision and plan yeah. for the future. Your your vision and your plan doesn't have to be perfect. But you you do need to get started. You need you, you need do to have need one, one and, yeah. and it needs to be decent, but you're gonna be way better off in most situations getting that seventy-five percent solution, getting started and going and then refining things as, as time goes on. Figure it out as you go. Yeah. A lot of the times, I mean, who was it? Mike Tyson that said, you know, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, it, it, that's so even if your plan's perfect, you know, as soon as, you know, that first bump in the road comes along, it's probably going to change anyway. So don't, don't get wrapped around the, the fact thinking that you need to have a perfect plan. Yeah. You know, just take responsibility for your actions, go out and do things, you know, and, and, you know, just realize you're the one that makes things happen and go make things happen. Very nice. Okay, Chris. So I know that in this episode, we also wanted to talk briefly about the new hours of service rules. I'm sure that uh, people, most people listening have probably heard of this, but uh, you wanted to share a couple of thoughts on it. I'm sure most people have, and they went into effect on the 29th of September, 2020. So the hours of service rules, they don't change super often, but they do on occasion. And there were four big main changes that just happened right now. It's kind of interesting because you know I'll, I'll watch um, comment boards and, and blogs and stuff within the industry. And and you've got this group of people who thinks they're the worst changes ever made. And then you've got this other group of people that thinks they're really good. Well, I, I'm kind of more, so, so it's really your perspective. And I think from an owner operator's perspective, for the most part, the changes are very, very good because all of them give you um, more flexibility, can allow you to run a little bit harder in certain situations, and, and all in all are, are going to be beneficial. And even for drivers, for the most part, they're going to be, especially there's a big change to the 30-minute 30, uh, break requirement. Um, if you remember right, Craig, you've got to take a 30-minute break from the time that you first go on duty um, after you've been on duty within before you hit the eight hour mark, you have right. to go on break for 30 minutes. Well, in the past you had to either be on sleeper birth or off duty to count that as your break. Well, now they'll let you actually be on duty for part of your break or all of your breaks. So for instance, so what, what, I, what does that mean? So where I see this happening a lot is you're driving and you need to get fuel. Well, now when you get fuel, you, you have to be on duty. 
um, you're, cause you're still, you're working, still operating, you're still operating, yeah. you're on duty and, you know, fueling by the time you, you know, you fuel, if you need to put def in, if you need to fill the reefer, you know, you're typically at least 15 minutes washing the windshields and anything like that in, in a typical fuel stop, at least 15 minutes. So now you can count that 15 minutes towards part of that 30 minute break. Then the last 30, 15 minutes, you can just put off duty. And so now you can get back on the road a little bit sooner which means you you know you're going to hit your 11 hour driving window a little bit sooner and so really that in in my estimation in most situations this is an everyday thing that's going to shorten your day by you know 15 minutes so you can you know be off duty and and stop driving kind of just a, a bit a, sooner it feels like a common sense reform from where i'm sitting you know in my inexperienced chair i i think it is and and so that, i think that's a really good one uh, the the other ones six similar type things they just add a little bit more flexibility with how you do your work day and there, there are some of them why why some people are complaining about it because there are some situations where it's going to lengthen your day a little bit um, it, it could potentially lengthen your day um, but I, I think for the most part, especially for owner operators, it gives you a little bit more flexibility and the ability to smartly run a little bit harder. All right. Very nice. Uh, anything else on these changes? That's uh, that, that, that about sums it up. Okay. Very good. Well, uh, hopefully you have, and I'm speaking to you listening right now, hopefully you've heard of these. And if not, please go look them up. Make sure that you're familiar with the changes. If you have any questions, uh, you know, let us know. Uh, we'll be happy to address questions in future episodes. And that goes for any other topic as well, uh, including the previous topic of, uh, you know, being an owner for yourself, looking to the future and taking accountability for your actions and all that. We, whatever we talked about, Chris, it's already out of my mind. All that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you very much for listening, everybody. And uh, make sure that you go. I, I neglected to say this at the beginning of the episode, but make sure you go to hollandassetsllc.com for full show notes on this and other episodes that we've done. Uh, and we'd love to see you uh, also at uh, motorcarrierhq.com if you want to see any of the materials that we've talked about in, in uh, previous episodes. And then lastly, I will say, find us on Facebook and give us a review. You know, review us. Uh, I think you can give us a thumbs up on Facebook if you find the page. Give it, give it a like. Give yeah, it a follow. Give us a like. We'd like that. Um, and, you know, head on to iTunes or whatever it's called these days. Give it a, a like and a five stars and a, a nice review there. We would love to uh, to see some more of those roll in. They really do help, especially uh, stroking Chris's ego. <laughs> it's uh, very helpful in that regard. So. I yeah I need as much of that as I can get just ask my <laughs> wife <laughs> all right so thanks again everybody and uh, we'll see you next week thanks for listening thanks for listening